Welcome to the Play for Keeps podcast with your hosts, Cameron Hay at Cameron underscore Hay on Twitter and Drew Williams at Dopest Drew on Twitter. We're here to bring you the latest topics surrounding the NBA, hot conversation points, and college basketball as well, and even potentially grassroots basketball. It depends. Whatever is going on at the time, whatever we think is the most relevant topics in the, in the basketball community, we will touch on on top of analyzing games and what's going on on the court as well we're here now on the eve i want to say the eve of the nba season restarting it's not the day before but we are entering the week of the restart officially with games starting on thursday night um it's been a long road to this point basically a full off season (laughs) four and a half months exactly four that's actually longer than a full off season to be honest with you it seems like um but games have restarted in the form of scrimmages teams are in the bubble it appears that the NBA has the bubble under control with as far as testing goes for COVID-19 because they haven't had any new recent positive outbreaks in the past week or so. Um, how are you, how excited are you about the games getting ready to start back up? Man, I'm ready. And initially, when they first announced the bubble, I'm like, man, this is way too long of a layoff. Like, I don't know if, like, we'll be able to get to the point where we'll be able to contain it because you know we didn't know as much information we do now about you know the mask and everything but i'm definitely ready for the nba to get back i mean the scrimmages have been really good and bad we've seen (laughs) a lot of everybody but i'm i'm definitely ready for speaking of scrimmages is there anything that stood out to you so far from the scrimmages as far as positives or negatives anybody that looks extremely sharp anybody looks like they need a few more days or games before we can get back to seeing what they looked like before play was suspended what has caught your eye so far in the first two scrimmages, it seems like, for every team? Every team plays three. I think scrimmages will be wrapped up by Tuesday for sure. Yeah. But so far, how have, the, how have certain teams looked in the bubble? Man, you know, it feels like the Sharp teams really didn't take the time off, man. You know, It's like the Lakers, Clippers, obvi- Bucks. Yep, obviously the Lakers have been doing, like, the clutch runs and all that. They got about <laughs> seven guys on clutch on their, on their roster. Seven, exactly. And the Clippers, you know, we know they've been practicing. We heard Paul George talk about how Steve Ballmer sent everybody a, a full weight room with, a, with a, a, a rim for them to shoot on and make sure everybody's in tip-top shape. And Obviously, the Bucks they put up 80 points in the first half the other day. And With Chris Middleton struggling, he said he hasn't touched the ball in the whole pan, during the whole pandemic, and he, had, yeah. he didn't look that good, and they still were dominant. Yeah, I mean, it, it just goes to show you the top teams – they knew there was a you know a, a chance that the NBA was going to come back and they stayed sharp. You know, I, I was kind of worried in the beginning. I thought, you know, are we going to have a lockout situation, especially now where a lot of people, you know, lower tier players that aren't on huge contract, they don't have access to a home gym. They don't have ways of like always being in shape. And if you can't get to a gym, you know, what are you going to do to stay sharp? I know Embiid talked about how he didn't really play too over the yeah over the during, break, during but. Break. I don't know. Guys like LeBron, you know they they had a way. He played every day. Yeah. You know, he, he, he found worked a way. out. He did everything. And obviously, guys like Luka Doncic and, and Jokic, they were back in their homeland, so they didn't play as but much. But they both look sharp. Yeah. They both, so look, they both look pretty good so far. It goes to show you the training camp definitely really helped the squads and all that. So. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that the teams that were that we considered the best teams before play was stopped, have looked really sharp so far. 
The Clippers are 2-0. They look really impressive the first half against the Magic in their first scrimmage back. Yep. Uh, Paul George looked sharp. He had to, He started off a little slow, but midway through that first quarter, he caught his legs and got his wind, and he just looked like the best version of Paul George. When he everything is clicking for him, he just looked unstoppable out there. We all know about their depth. Uh, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, uh, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, all these super, supporting players to go along with the two-headed monster of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So they've looked really good. Like you spoke on with the Bucks, The Bucks look like the Bucks. The Bucks had the best record in the league before play was stopped, and they do not look like they've lost a step. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he looks like he has been in the gym, staying in shape, staying prepared. He looks like he's in MVP form right now. And the Lakers as well. The first half they played against the Mavericks, and LeBron and um, Anthony Davis both played the whole first half. They dominated. They look yeah. like the Lakers. They look like the team who's the number one seed in the West. Uh, and then when in the first quarter, when they played against the Orlando Magic in their second scrimmage, before Anthony Davis got poked in the eye and set out the rest of the game, they were dominant on the defensive well, side of the ball. Machine. Exactly. They they do not like the, they do not look like they have lost a step. Deion Waiters is providing a different dynamic to the team that they have not had off the bench as far as a guard who can go get their own shot and also play make. Um, I do think they will miss Avery Bradley at some point. It's no, yeah. I don't know what degree it's going to be missed. Like I still think they can win a championship without him, but we haven't been able to see yet the effect of him being out because they haven't played a team that has multiple guards who can get it off the bounce, cause havoc. Like Luka Doncic is that, and he would have probably had the. I main. mean, Curry didn't miss at all, but he's a spot up <laughs> shooter. Yeah, like so he's like a guy. Like I don't think that Avery Bradley is going to have. He's not. That's not the gauge for me as far as Avery Bradley's. I would need to see them play. They played the Wizards that last game. That's not going to do. I really don't think that the Clippers, especially if Lou Williams, he's going to sit out the first game of the season. Do first the ten, two. First two games, yeah. But he's going to miss the Lakers game on Thursday night uh, when due to ten day quarantine. So we won't really even get to see if he's missed in. A team like the Blazers is where we would have to see where what degree Avery Bradley is missed with C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard, guards who can get off the bounce. Yeah. But um. Yeah, like those three teams, they've looked really sharp. The Raptors have looked they've looked good as well. OG Ananubi looks like he's 100%. He's ready to go. Uh, Marcus Gasol is back on the court. And when Gasol and Ibaka on the court together with Siakam, that front line is just hard to score on them. Um, the Celtics, Celtics, they they have everything you need except for a big. And so it just makes me wonder how much you can Daniel really rely on them. Exactly. And Robert Williams and Cantor. And Cantor, yeah. It's like, I don't know if that's enough. That's, I don't think that's enough. And so... It remains to be seen, but like you said, the sharp teams have been the guys who we we already expected, usual sus- suspects going back into the bubble. It doesn't look like any of the contenders have really lost a step or anything. Is there anybody in the bubble that you want to keep an eye on as far as a team that's flying a little bit under radar that you might think is a sleeper pick that could surprise some people when the, when the games start back up and when the playoffs eventually start in two weeks? Man, you know, Miami really... Is a wild card for me because I feel like now that they have everybody back healthy with Tyler Harrow and obviously Jimmy Butler, everybody's like yeah. kind of in shank now. Warren Dragic should be healthy. Yeah, exactly. And you wonder, you know, Miami kind of had a good combination of everything. They got good wings, good shooting, good yeah. d- defense. A lot of people think that they can get possibly give my uh, Milwaukee a lot of issues in, in the second round if they stay in that four to five range. Yeah. And they have to play them in round two. But, I mean, Miami is, you know, a sneaky good team. But, I mean, the top five in the East really all, I mean, 
Ashwich, Indiana out. In Philadelphia. For I, feel you. I think they, they got the, the same, same record. record. Yeah. yeah, they both were at 30 something wins. I think it was 36 and 23 or something, something, something like that. Like something like that. that yeah. they, they were very close. Same record. Indiana had the tiebreaker, but the top five in, in the East, they're all pretty, pretty dangerous. I, I don't think the gap between them and Milwaukee. I think the the thing is Milwaukee has the most well-rounded roster. I think they just have the fewest weaknesses. They don't have a glaring weakness amongst their roster in the same way that the other teams out east do potentially um i don't think toronto necessarily has a glaring weakness as much as they just don't have Kawhi leonard in yeah. and that's a big loss and i think it's going to catch up to them at some point in the playoffs it remains to be seen when but like last year in the second round against philadelphia they couldn't score at times and they just give him the ball and he would go get a bucket um but i agree with you as far as miami goes and the thing that miami's success is going to depend upon the most is they have a lot of guys who've not been in this moment before. Yeah. And if those guys, and I think if there was ever a scenario or a place where experience might not matter or might not be as valuable, if this makes sense, is we have neutral site games. Yeah. It's all neutral site. Nobody has any real advantage or disadvantage of not being at home or on the road. It's really like a, a glorified pickup environment. And yeah. so. I think if there was ever a time where teams who didn't have huge playoff, a lot of playoff experience could potentially still be effective and dangerous in this type of setting, this is it. And Miami, they have guys like Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Derrick Jones Jr., Bam Adebayo, who are key rotation players. Haven't played any who haven't high played, leverage. They haven't basketball. played any playoff games before. They've never, yeah. played, they've never been to playoffs. None of those guys yeah. have. Or was Miami in the playoffs last year? I be, um, Miami, were they in the playoffs last year? I can't remember. No, they weren't. They, they missed weren't. it on the last they missed, day. Yeah, D-Way right. retired. You're right. They missed it on the last day. So, they weren't in the playoffs. So, Bam Adebayo has never played in the playoffs yet. Um, they, uh, it's funny. I think he made it his rookie year. I think they, his rookie year they made it. And they it's, it's funny you bring that. Yeah, they did. And they lost to the Sixers in, yeah. the, in the first round. It's funny you say that, though. With everything being neutral, a team like Philly that went 29-2 and at home, but were 10-24 and <laughs> on the road. Yeah. I wonder how far on the spectrum either way we're going to get. Like, what team are we going to get? Because, obviously, Philly was dealing with a lot of injuries. Like, their entire roster was breaking down in the yeah, middle ben of the Simmons year. Yeah, was, was, was out. Uh, who else? Embiid had missed games. Uh, Josh Richardson was hurt, I think, before yeah. the games came back, before we resumed. I mean, they, they, they had guys in and out of the lineup. So, now they have everything together. Are we going to get a team close to that 29-2? and Because maybe – Playing on the road with maybe their issue, or is it the home? They just feed off of that environment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, who knows what we're gonna get in the bubble? I think Philly definitely has the highest. They have the biggest gap between their ceiling and their floor. Like yeah. shout out Jason Maples, we had this conversation as well, and he he brought that up, and I, I agree with him. There is, a, I don't think there's a team in the bubble who can look as good as Philadelphia looks and as bad as they can look at the same time. Yeah. Um, and like you said, with them not having road games or home games we just don't know what we're getting yet we weren't we aren't going to know until games are played we'll probably know by around game four or five of the last eight regular season tune-up games before the playoffs what yeah. version of philly is here what version we're going to get if if like you say if their issue was just playing on the road in road environments and they look closer to the team that was 29 and 2 at home they ought to they out of nowhere become a much much bigger threat than they might have been anticipated to be, as being under normal circumstances. If their issue is just playing on the road in front of road crowds, and now they don't have to worry about that, they have everything you need to be honest, almost to beat Milwaukee and come out of the East because they have the size, they have the versatility, 
And now with Shake Milton coming into the starting lineup, Ben Simmons moving to the power forward, Al Horford moving to the bench, yeah. the the starting lineup has more balance. They have a little bit more shooting with Shake Milton and Josh Richardson in the backcourt and Tobias Harris. And now Ben Simmons can be more of like a playmaking four instead of having to, burn, having to carry the responsibilities of setting everybody else up to sacrifice his effect and, I mean, his uh, aggressiveness attacking the basket and being a scorer. So if they have no issues in this bubble as far as being consistent and being the team that a lot of people picked to come out of the Eastern Conference before the season started, then, yeah, that is the team that's probably flying under the radar maybe. It's, it's weird to say they're flying under the radar because I don't yeah. feel like they are, but when you underachieve to the magnitude that they have this and you do become kind of an afterthought. But they have a chance to rewrite their story before the season ends in Orlando. They can either be the team that we all see at the Wells Fargo Center at home in Philadelphia, or they can be the team that we see on the road. Whichever one shows up is going to determine how far they go. They can either lose in round one to Boston. If this, if the playoffs held serve right now, they would be playing Boston in round one, I believe. Yeah. If they are the same team they've been on the road all season, they'll probably lose in five games max today. But if they're the team that we've seen at home all season, they could potentially beat, beat Boston. Yeah. Like, because Boston's not going to have any answer for Joel Embiid. They're not going to have any answer for his size, his dominance in the paint, and how they don't have the guys like Aaron Baines or even Al Horford, who is now on Philadelphia, to match up with him. I mean, that that kind of goes back to a conversation you and I were having at the top of the year. Horford really doesn't fit with what Philly is trying to do. No. And I think at this stage in his career, he's probably best tailored playing a five-man role. 100%. And having a four next to him. He can play because he's really a stretch five at this point yeah but he struggled all year playing next to Joel Embiid just kind of clogged the whole paint and it was kind of an issue Joel Embiid was having last year saying that they were using him at the floor spacer and he's like this is not what I'm here for and now Horford is being used like he's Brian Anderson or something like that and that's not his game at all and you kind of look at Boston and go did Philly just get him so he couldn't guard Embiid? Because he gave Embiid. Him and Baines both gave Yeah, those Embiid are probably the problems. best two guys in the league as far as guarding Joel Embiid. Definitely in the East. And especially in the Eastern Conference. And neither one of them are in Philadelphia's path anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see how Embiid looks in the playoffs this year. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have a stomach virus again like he did last year against Toronto. He got be a little bit more effective. He, yeah, he got strain. a calf strain. Calf strain. Um, but... Yeah, Philadelphia, is, they're just a huge question mark. They've been a question mark all season. They're going to continue to be one. Um, Al Horford, I remember when, like, talking about the signing, I remember when it happened last summer, and you immediately said, like, you didn't quite understand it. And I tried to see what Philadelphia is. I don't understand it at the price. They yeah, because he cost a lot of money. They paid a premium. Yeah, and, I'm and he's thinking- on the back end of his career. You're going to be paying, I believe, a 37-year-old Al Horford like nearly 33 34 million dollars a year and not an i all-star. just don't get it like to be basically be brook lopez for you yeah to, you hoping he can play the same type when, of role in reality tobias harris is best served at the stretch four and we're seeing that now so like having yeah. horford come in he's obviously not going to be able to play the four no next to Embiid and with tobias so you're paying a bench guy all of this money and eventually they're going to want to move him because they've already paid Embiid, they've already paid Ben Simmons. And they paid and, Tobias Harris. And, and now all of the money is locked up. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do for the next four years. Like, my thing is, like, their bench, like, Philadelphia is sneaky. They have solid depth. They just don't, it's just weird. They weirdly construct the roster. Because you, you talk about the starting five with Shaden Milton, Josh Richardson, Tobias, Ben, Joel. Then off the bench, they have Matisse Thibel. 
They have uh, Cork Moss, who's a really good shooter. He's like a he's a sniper. Yeah. And then you have Al Horford as well. I feel like I'm missing somebody off that. I feel like I'm missing. A, that's a Those solid eight man rotation. rotation. That's yeah. a solid eight man rotation. Um, especially in the postseason, you, if you want to take Shake Milton out and just slide Ben Simmons back to the point guard, when that'll be your your point guard, uh, your backcourt rotation. But yeah, Philly is they they are by far, in my opinion, the biggest wild card in the bubble. But if I had to pick a second team who I think is like, I don't know if I could say they're a wild card because I don't. If they the only because if they get in the playoffs, I don't pick them to beat the Lakers. But I think the Portland Trailblazers are kind of like an interesting team to me because we're gonna we can go ahead and talk about teams that we think benefited and and got hurt from the layoff. I think they benefited from the layoff as much as anybody. Definitely because now they they can't they had one of the weakest front courts, if not the weakest in the NBA this past season. No. Uh, Zach Collins was hurt the whole year, pretty much. Nurkic was hurt the whole year, pretty much. He, not pretty much. He was from breaking his leg last season, at the end of last season. They and, had and, wings guarding bigs. And exactly, yeah, wings Rodney, guarding bigs. Rodney Hood guarding he Achilles. And power forwards. He's hurt. Uh, they, they had brought Carmelo. in Melo. They couldn't guard wings and they couldn't guard bigs. Hassan Whiteside was the only big that they could play those really stars. They had Mario Hazonia guarding bigs all season. Yep. And so now they still have not solved their wing issue. Like you said, Rodney Hood, he's out for the rest of the season with a torn Achilles. Um, but now, all of, out of nowhere, they have one of the best front courts in the whole, as far as big a trio of bigs, out of everybody in the bubble. Um, I don't know, like, how many teams have a better collection of bigs? The Lakers, maybe, and the Bucks potentially, with if you count Giannis as a big, with both he, of the Lopez twins. Yeah. Uh, so, you have those, that collection of bigs, then you have the Lakers collection of bigs. But having Zach Collins, Nurkic, and Hassan Whiteside now, yeah. to go along with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Anthony Simons, and Gary Trent Jr. in the backcourt. Yeah. I don't think they can beat the Lakers or even really make it too competitive because they don't have anybody in guard LeBron. LeBron will, will dominate them, and then I don't. those bigs can't stop Anthony Davis either. As good as a trio it is, they just aren't going to be able to slow him down. Right. But I think that they are a team who benefited greatly from the time off because now you have two bigs that you didn't have. And if they're really trying to push to make the playoffs, they – were facing an uphill battle before play was suspended with those last 18 games that they were going to have to play. Chances are Nurkic wasn't going to be back until probably the last 10 or so. And I don't know if John, I mean, not John Collins, Zach Collins is going to come back. Now they have both of those guys fully rested, 100% healthy yep. to go along with Hassan Whiteside in that backcourt, the collection of guards that they have. I think that a lot of people think the Pelicans are the team who could sneak in and take the Grizzly spot. They definitely have the most favorable road. The Pelicans definitely had the most favorable schedule, but I think that the the Blazers now, out of all the teams that aren't locked into the playoffs out west, out of the, the four or five teams it is that got invited to fight for that last playoff spot, I like their roster more than anybody's right now. I think I like their roster out of any. Out of, I like it more than Memphis. I like it more than uh, Sacramento, especially if De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley aren't going to be able to play. Yeah. Um, I like their roster more than Phoenix, and. I think I like and I like the roster more than San Antonio, especially with Lamarcus Aldridge out. Yeah. And I think I like it more than the Pelicans. The Pelicans have a, a solid roster as well, but they face the same issues that the Blazers had before the Blazers got their bigs. They didn't have a great collection of bigs, and they don't have wings. Now the Blazers have better bigs, and I think they have better guards. So I think the Blazers have a chance. How many games behind the Pelicans are they in the, sta- in the standings to get to the playoffs? Um, the Blazers are actually ahead of the Pelicans. Oh, so they're ahead of the Pelicans. They're ahead. They have the tiebreaker, but. So they have the tiebreaker. They're, they're technically the and they're same. What, three games back of the Grizzlies. Uh, yep. Okay. So I thought I like two and a half. Two and actually. a half. I like the Blazers to get the eight seed. I think I like them to get the eight seed. Um, Zion Williamson is back in the bubble, 
So his four-day quarantine starts. He'll be available for opening night against uh, the Jazz on Thursday. They play the yep. Jazz on Thursday. They open up the bubble, yeah, they, right? They're the first game, and then after that, the Lakers and Clippers. I think I like the Blazers more. I know that the Pelicans have a very, very favorable schedule. That might be what saves them, to be honest, to, that gets them in, is the fact I think they play the Nets, the Wizards, the Grizzlies. I think they play the most non like. Well, I mean, in, in their defense, teams. before the bubble layoff, they did have a very easy 100%. schedule left, and a lot of people were picking them to make the push yeah. before the bubble. So, like, the, the league gifting them that very, like... It's kind of in part in line yeah. with what they were going to get to. Yeah, so, you know, the strength of schedule matches up with what they were leaning towards. But as far as who I think benefited the most from the bubble, other than the teams we talked about that obviously haven't missed a beat mm-hmm. and have been playing well. I think Houston really benefited from the layoff. Guys like Harden and Westbrook, I really think they were starting to get burnt out from carrying Specifically that load. Harden. And P.J. Tucker defending all those bigs. Yeah. You can tell guys were getting wore down. And I think having this time, we, should, we know Harden lost a lot of weight. And, you know, we'll see what type of effect that has. Yeah, and just for him to be fresh, like, you, like he, he was visibly – yeah, I running mean, out of steam. He, he, he was carrying after them. January. He was he was running out of steam from January through March. He just did not look like the same guy that he was from October through. Yeah, no, I mean it's gonna be interesting, but I, I think the separation from really from four down to seven so only like being two, games or something. two or three games. Yeah. So like that can all change. I think the Lakers and Clippers are pretty much solidified. I, I won't say the Clippers, but their schedule. Probably leans them towards keeping that two seed. I, yeah. I can't see Denver passing. The Lakers only need to win three games out of eight to lock the one. And right. if they beat the Clippers on Thursday night, they virtually lock the one seed up. At least over the Clippers, that is. Yeah. Uh, so I agree. I think Houston. Houston. It. it I think Houston is a team. It's just going to depend on where they fall at as far as seeding. Yeah. Um. I don't think I would pick anybody out west to beat them other than the Lakers or the Clippers. But I do think that if. I, I really wonder if P.J. Tucker can hold up playing a five for them in a postseason. This postseason. Like, even if they, they win the first-round matchup, how much is it going to take out of him and Robert Covington? Banging with Steven Adams. Or Jokic. Or uh, Rudy Gobert. Like, just the size of those guys. Like, how much is it going to affect them? Or even guarding, who's guarding Porzingis if that ended up somehow being the four or five matchup? Like, yeah, it's a lot of questions. I would pick them to win those series. But then after that, you're going into a series against the Clippers or the Lakers in the second round, uh, the Clippers, while they don't have anybody like Anthony Davis, I don't think any of those guys on the on the Rockets, a guy like Montrez Harrell, who has an endless motor yeah. and plays hard and everybody else and is that athletic and that strong, I don't see how they keep him off the offensive glass for a series. Yeah. Uh, Zubak, in his limited minutes or however many he is going to play, he'll probably be a problem for them. Well, is Zubak in the bubble yet? He got there. He got there yesterday on okay. Saturday. He got there, and Landry Shaman got there. Clippers whole team. I don't know if Pat Bev is back yet, but everybody except for him, I know for sure, is back in the bubble. Montrezl Harrell is back. Montrezl Harrell is back. Okay. So everybody is back in the bubble except for Pat Bev, I believe. I don't. I have. And he was in the bubble. He just yeah, left. He just left. Briefly. So I don't know if he's back yet. He will be back. But though. he will be. And so I agree. I think that Houston got a huge advantage from that backcourt just getting to take that time off. They're gonna. They're, both of those guys are going to shoot 50 shots a night for them combined. Yeah. They're probably going to shoot around 50 shots. So they, they're they going to need them to be as fresh as possible if they want to make any type of run to the NBA Finals. And I think yeah. that they definitely they are definitely a team, I agree, that benefited a lot from having this time off. As far as anybody else that I think benefited, 
I can't say Dallas did. Dallas, they lost a lot of people before the season started, and they lost people that they aren't getting back. Dwight Powell, Jalen Brunson aren't walking through. They are in trouble. OKC is still OKC. I don't I, I don't even think they can win a series. I don't, I don't think I would pick them to win a series out west, even if they got the... Utah has questions about chemistry. Are Donovan Mitchell and Rudy, Rudy Gobert going to be on the same page? Okay. Yeah. Are they going to be good? Can they just, like, put their differences aside and just go out there and hoop, or is this going to be a rift in between them that basically derails the rest of their season it remains to be i mean seen. it's a fork in the road moment for utah you yeah. know rudy gobert will be up for huge supermax contract where he'll be getting paid 45 million dollars a year yeah and a lot of rumbling around the league is that donovan mitchell wants out of utah already yeah. so can you let rudy gobert walk if one of your franchise players who's having differences with doesn't want to be there anyway the thing is i don't know if you can afford to let rudy walk because if Mitchell Mitchell he he has to give them some sign some side of some sign of him wanting to guarantee to come back and sign the rookie max extension because if he just takes the qualifying offer for one year or whatever and then like leaves you're left for nothing yeah. exactly you're left with nothing and so you need to if you are going to pass on Gobert but see the thing is if I'm Utah I probably I don't want to pay Gobert that money regardless because. He's not an impact enough player to where I think forty million a year is justifiable. But what, if, but what if he tells you if you don't offer me that and he goes down the line, I am a multiple defensive player. The I've been all NBA first team. That's like fine. I, I have all these accreditations that tell me I should be able to get a max for max. I wouldn't be eligible for it. Yeah. If, if I, I didn't, if I didn't school. deserve it. Yeah. So. And that's fine. And like, if he wants to walk, you gonna let him walk for nothing. I let him walk. Like I will. I think I would rather blow my team up and start from scratch than pay. I, I agree. Paying him forty five million will get people fired, and because he's a fine, he's a good player. You know, defensive player. But I can't pay you forty five million if you're not giving me eighteen PG. No, forty five million. I have to get it to a guy who I think can change my franchise. Who I think you can make us. Wait, you you have to be able to impact the offensive side of the ball more than that for forty five yeah. million. Like forty five million, I need to know that you can carry us offensively and preferably even make us a, a contender because your offensive skill set is is that superior, is that important, and he just does not impact that side of the ball enough to justify forty five million. I don't think that there anybody in the league I would give forty five million to. But the thing is, forty five million is only the first year. Like. 2022, you're paying him nearly 45 million, and by 2027, it gets up to over 60 million dollars. Yeah, a I year. can't do that. Like, I can't you know, do for, that. 45 to 49 to 50, and I'm look, I'm not counting his money, but he's paying, earned it. Paying a 33 year old Rudy Gobert, you know, over 60 million dollars a year, just I, not I just don't get it. Like, he's earned the money for sure. So, like, I don't want to. Like he said, I'm not counting his pockets. I'm not saying what he's worth or isn't worth. But if I were Utah. I would run the risk of just losing both of them than being stuck paying Rudy Gobert sixty million for him to average fifteen points. Like yeah. I just can't do it. I just don't think it you're not gonna get the proper return on investment as a the Utah Jazz. So I wouldn't be the Especially one Especially with the uncertainty around the cap right now. Exactly. If the cap lowers and you're stuck like you pay him that and then now you're stuck. Like you can't build anything else around like as far as Going out spending legitimate money on other pieces to fill out the roster. You, I'm only giving Prime Shaq like sixty million. Like out of a all year. bigs, like you, I think of big. I can't think of how many guys. Like I would give AD that money easily. Yeah, if he was eligible for it, you're gonna I, get I the return of AD, Giannis, Antetokounmpo, 
then of course you give guys like LeBron, Harden, um, Kawhi, KD, Steph Curry. Those are the type of guys you give that type of money to. Yeah. Rudy Gobert is not in that tier of player, in my opinion, to where if I'm a GM, I feel comfortable giving him that money and knowing we're going to win 50 games every year. We're going to go to the conference finals or be in the hunt for the conference finals or the NBA finals. I don't think he guaranteed. Um, like, you got to think, what is the first they've been with? They went to the second round two years ago, yeah. and they lost to in five games to the Rockets. That was Diamond Mills' rookie year. Last year, they lost in the first round to the Rockets. Uh, so I don't think... He's not. He's not gonna push you further. He's not gonna push you far enough. He's the number three on a, a legitimate contender, in my opinion. And I don't even know if he's a number three as far as offensively. Like he can be a third best player. If you have a third best player, but studs as your exactly. number one and two. Like you, you have to have two. Like got some some rough riders to top two. And I just don't think he's the answer as far as being because if you're paying sixty million, he's the best player on your team. So if Rico is the best player on your team, I think you're going, <laughs> you don't have a very high ceiling. You don't have a high ceiling. You might have a high floor for a regular season, and everything because of the way he can impact the defensive side of. I don't think your ceiling is that high. My my main issue is that you can be seven foot three and be a great defender, but if I have guys like Draymond Green who have or Clint Capella who have played him off the court, yeah. Guys who are like historically non scorers, they look really, really good against him and I'm I just have an issue with that. If I can't pay you in the play if I can't play you in the playoffs no. versus those teams, why do I care? The Rockets have played him off the court two years in a row. Now and so like if if I can't if every matchup if you're not playable in every possible scenario, every matchup, I can't justify getting you seeing me personally as a general man. And I would just rather blow it up, start over from the beginning and Try to find the next guy. If it, if it came down to losing Rudy Gobert or paying him or losing him and Donovan Mitchell, we'll just man. I'm Donovan gonna try to Mitchell. keep Mitchell before I try to keep Gobert. Mitchell got picked later, and they got the right pick, and the fans are really gonna push him out the door. That's the main reason I think he's ready to go. Like this whole pandemic, not pandemic, uh, protesting and the Black Lives Matter movement and everything. It seems like a lot of I don't want to say a lot. Utah fans on Twitter. And social media have like been taken aback by Donovan Mitchell actually caring about social injustice. Yeah, and like it's caused him to like become a little bit disgruntled. And I think he's the best player they've had since Darren Williams, probably. I would say. Yeah. Since prime Darren Williams, he's the best player they've had, and they're gonna push him out the door potentially. Well, yeah, him and Hayward. He's better. Oh, well, I'm not. I think he's better than Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward's really good though. But either they're, if you want to say they're neck and neck. But, like, the fact is, you're going to push this guy out the door. Like, it's hard to... You, you, you're not attracting stars. You're not going to get the free agents. You're not getting free agents coming there. So, you got to hope that you hit another home run in the draft. And you get guys like John Stockton and Carl Malone, Malone that want to play there for 20 years. Exactly. That's very, very rare. So, I think Utah's in a, in a, in a weird position. I don't think they, they were... I think they are the team that were, was hurt the most by the layoff. Really? Only because, like, the layoff started because... Of their, of their, te- their well, team. Well, th- that's a very good point. Now, I obviously would say, I mean, Brooklyn literally is bringing a G League roster to this yeah, bubble. But we didn't expect them to actually yeah, make I mean, any noise. Th- there were rumblings in the beginning, obviously, about KD and Kyrie mm-hmm. possibly playing. But I think everybody knew. There was already uncertainty around it. But once Kyrie kind of planted his flag, that he didn't really that he didn't want to play. Yeah. And he didn't think that we should have played. I think we got a firm idea, and KD, we kind of knew. Back to How next effective year. do you think KD would have even been in this environment? I, I don't think it's the right environment to bring him back mm-hmm. into. So I, it's hard to say. I mean, he's looked 
really, really good in all he, of the he's clips. He's Kevin Durant at the end of the day, but it's just like your first game is back. Yeah. We got to throw you in the we – we're trying to get to the playoffs. I mean, I, I'd much rather work him into a more traditional training yeah. camp. But I, I think a team like Toronto that had all of the momentum in the world going into, you know, the post-All-Star break, I think they lost a lot of that momentum. And their play style playing very hard, I think – they lost a lot of that momentum, and I think they're going to be really good because Toronto, actually, with my pick to come out of the before all of the bubble things got started, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did end up coming out of the East anyway, but I'm not really as confident right now. Like I, like I said earlier, I think one through five, close. You they're close. all capable of coming out of the Eastern Conference. So I, I don't know. I guess I would probably give – I mean, it's funny. All advanced analytics and metrics show me that the Bucks should run through the year. Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're historically li- dominant. Yeah, team. they're looking as if, and I know I can't remember the analytics, but as far as like offensive, defensive, efficient, you know, point different, they compare very favorably to the 2015 Warriors in fame in terms of like dominance. It's like you look at them with your eyes and you go, they're blowing a lot of bad teams out. You know, the Central Division. It's horrible division. Horrible. You know, you got Indiana. And then you got Detroit, Chicago, and Cleveland. You're getting gimmies. They went 13-1 and one in the division for a reason, and the one loss being Indiana. When Giannis didn't play. Exactly. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, for all we know, Mo- Milwaukee may run through. I'd be a lot more confident in Milwaukee if they had Brogdon still. But maybe Dante DiVincenzo and, and Matthews and, and Pat, Pat Connaughton, maybe they'll be able to – Cover up what they missed with Brogdon. My, th- my my reasoning for picking Milwaukee is is really just they have the best player, and when you have the best player, I tend to lean with you if you have the best player in the conference in the, or in a particular series. Um, I don't think it's anybody. If a lock being Joel and B probably could come close to being better than Giannis, mm-hmm. and if Jason Tatum is playing like Jason Tatum pre-break, if that version of Tatum comes back into the bubble, then you have a guy like him who potentially could be. Better than Giannis on any given night, but it's very scarce. The list of guys is very short, and I would need that person to play like to that capability four times at least in a seven game series. You need to win four, but you need to at least be on that level for four of the games yeah. to give your team a chance. Uh, I just think Giannis, the worst matchup for them is probably Toronto. They can wall up, they again. can wall up exactly. They can, they can have. OG Ananubi meet him before he gets to the wall, and then if he gets to the wall Siakam, on the back line, you got Siakam Kishaw, and Ibaka. Ibaka, Chris Boucher. Exactly. So they just have the bodies. Um, but yeah, I just think that I agree. Like something, the stats tell you that Milwaukee is this historically dominant team, but my eye test tells me something different. Like I think they're really good. I think they're a great team. I'm not even gonna say they're really good. Very I think well they're great. coached. They're a great team, well coached. But I also think that the style of play that they play, giving up that many three pointers, when you give up threes like that, I think you're susceptible to being teams you get hot, especially man. corner three. That's why they but Hawks teams can they could even win in Cleveland. They could never even win a game against the LeBron and Kyrie Cavs. They, they would set three point records. Exactly. Against them. <laughs> like they, they just shot two. They they the style of defense you're vulnerable. And so you're protecting the paint very well. Yeah, I'll give you that. You got Brooke Lopez, top five in defensive player of the year, in my opinion. Giannis is Giannis. probably going to win the award. Yeah. And then you got good individual defenders like Bledsoe, First team Middleton, a plush defender. Wes Johnson. I mean, yeah. Wes Matthews. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you got plush defenders been really good all on around. Defense. So. And so my thing is, I think that they're, the worst matchup for them is the, the Raptors because of 
the wall that they can make for Giannis, but also because if you're going to give up threes, they have guys such as Norman Powell, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Fleet, yeah. uh, OG Ananubi, uh, and uh, who's the rookie? Matt Matt Thomas. Matt and, Thomas, yeah, exactly. And um, God, what is the other shooting guard that they have? The rookie um, from Ole Miss. Uh, God, I'm drawing a blank on all these. Pull guys up their roster. Name. You can put a roster up. But they they have they have enough guys who can really shoot the ball. Um, Obviously Norman Powell and um, God, what is that kid? And Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis. That's yeah. it. So they have and Ibaka even. Yeah. And Gasol can space the floor. Like everybody they put on the floor, Chris Boucher, everybody that plays for them is a, is a threat to make a three pointer. Yeah. And so if you're gonna give up that many threes, that many good looks from outside, you gotta that that a team that has that many shooters. That are all battle tested. And that, been they, here. they went to the championship, won it last year. That's scary. Uh, Philadelphia defensively probably matches up really well with them, but their style of defense in Milwaukee, they they'll be fine against Philadelphia. I don't think they can make yeah. enough shots. They won't make enough. They won't be able to make enough shots again from the perimeter to put putting fear in them. Boston potentially could, but they just don't have the size to stop Giannis in the paint. Giannis will be too dominant. It yeah. would need. They would require Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba and Kemba and, and Gordon Hayward. They all got to make combined 15 threes. Yeah. For for them to have a chance, a legitimate chance, which I think is actually in play. It is in play because they all can shoot that well, and they very all are difficult that good. Roads. But exactly to to bank on having to make fifteen plus threes every game is a risky proposition. Um. So yeah. So you think Milwaukee's coming out the East? Yeah, they would probably be my pick if I had to bet right now. I like Toronto before the bubble, but I I, I just don't know. I mean, it's really hard to judge how teams Gasol are going to healthy. Yeah, that's a very good point. But how are teams going to respond to the new site thing? I think once we get a little bit more information in that, I'll have a good idea who I want to pick. But as of now, I think Milwaukee, they look like a well-oiled machine. I mean, like I said earlier, they put up 80 points and a half yeah. without their players playing well. So you don't think that the, the neutral site or this, this foreign environment is something that kind of helps a team like Toronto? Like, their battle test, they went to the finals, they won a championship. This might not, this probably is nothing for them. This probably won't rattle them. You don't think that, that plays into their hand any? I think it can help. Okay. But I think they benefit very much from that home crowd. That home court. They had the third best record okay. last year at home. And so, I don't know. They, they have the same home and the same away record. Which so. is a sign of, a, of a, a great team. Yeah. So If your records are good. <laughs> if they're good at home. They, they, they've been on a historic pace all year. Haven't missed a beat since Kawhi was. And so out west, then you think it's going to come down to Lakers-Clippers? Or do you think somebody can crash that party? I think Lakers and Clippers will inevitably meet in the Western Conference Finals. Okay. So it's going to be one of those two. But... What teams have to go through to get there will have a big play in who wins, I think. The team that had to go through Houston and had to have a longer... You want teams to be able to get in and get out in these series. You do not want things to stretch six, seven games because I feel that's when things can get a little bit more tricky in this whole bubble. You you want to get get series over with. And you just historically, the longer series go, you open yourself up to injury you already opening yourself up to, to loss as it is. But like you said, we the longer this series goes, it's going to take something out of us in the next series. You're going to lose something. like So you just want to, like you said, get in, get out. We want to make these series as quick as possible. If you got to go through, say for some reason, um, Houston ends up in the in, – say the, the Lakers, get, they stay one. Houston, Houston ends up four or, four or five, and then their first-round matchup is Portland. And the second round matchup is Houston. And then you get to 
the Clippers, you just kind of, you low-key had a difficult role. Yeah, I mean, you, you had two guys, Dame and Harden and Russ. Yeah, and McCollum. Yep, taking over the series and made it tough. You've had to battle and, you know, go five or six. Meanwhile, if you're, the Clippers, they've had to, you know, play, I don't know, Denver, which I think everybody knows how good Denver is, but their home record, one of their biggest yeah. strengths, they have the second best home record in the league. Them not being able to play at home in that altitude and everything, I think I that's going to hurt them. It's definitely going to hurt them. So I'm not sure, you know. I would probably lean towards the Lakers, but I may be a little bit biased. I mean, I'm leaning towards the Lakers as well, too. I think the Lakers, I, you just, I'm going to go with them. I think LeBron is still the best player in the, in the league, and specifically in the Western Conference. I think the, the gap is not that wide, though, between he and Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think any given night when the ball is up in the air between one or the other, they can outplay the other person. So yeah. um, I think the biggest reason, though, I'm leaning with the, the Lakers over the Clippers to come out the West, when they if they do, were to play each other, I trust the Lakers' continuity more. I think that they know who they are. They Before the season got suspended, they were playing the best out of anybody in the league. Like we already said, they look like they picked up where they left off, and they don't have as many question marks about guys fitting into new roles, um, new guys coming into it. The, the Clippers made a lot of moves before this the play got stopped. They traded yeah. for Marcus Morris. They brought in Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, who, did they bring in anybody else? New? Joe Kim Noah. Joe Kim Noah came back. Like, so now we play with stop. We didn't get to experience those guys figuring themselves out in their new roles in in play. Right. Now you throw into the fact Lou Williams is going to miss two games. Like, So that's two games less now that they have to build rhythm, uh, mm-hmm. build chemistry with everybody together. Uh, Pat, Pat Beverly, I don't know if he's back yet. It's no telling when he's going to be back. Uh, so that's that's a question mark. Landry Shamit and Zubak are back now, but now they haven't even played in scrimmages yet. Like, they haven't even got a chance to play in scrimmages. They, I'm assuming they'll play the the Tuesday night scrimmage because they'll have their – they'll clear their protocol or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but even then, that's one scrimmage they'll play before the real games start back up on Thursday. Um, so I just think they have a little bit more catching up to do than the Lakers do. I think it, it benefits the Lakers greatly that they know who they are. Everybody knows their roles. And I think they do have – if you line the top four players up between both teams, between LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Paul George, I think LeBron – and Kawhi, then AD is better than Paul George. And I think there's a gap between AD and Paul George. I don't think that the gap between LeBron and, and Kawhi is wide, no. but I think there is a gap, a sizable gap, in my opinion, between Anthony Davis and Paul George. I think Anthony Davis, in a playoff setting, you, he's going to find a way to get 28, 30 points every game. Yeah. He's going to get you those 28, 30 points minimum every game. He's done it both times he's been in the playoffs so far in his career. When he was young, he did it against the Warriors when they won 67 games. And then... He did it again, sweeping the Blazers, a 47-point playoff, I mean, closeout game, yeah. and he averaged 30 that whole postseason. Um, so he's going to find a way. I don't have any questions about Anthony Davis being able to get 30 points consistently, 28, 30 points. He's going to get in the high 20s. And he 30. looked sharp really exactly. much in the bubble. Like, he, he's honestly, uh, he's probably impressed me in as little time as he's played. Yeah. He had More a double-double in the first quarter against the Magic. He had nine points and ten yeah, rebounds he, he, and two blocks in the first quarter against the Magic. He's looked sharp. He's been covering everything, and that's why he'd be my pick for player of the year. But yeah. that's for another day. No, but. so I agree. I think that Paul George is the question mark. He's the question mark every year in the playoffs. Like Playoff P. What version of Paul George are we going to get? Because if he plays like 
like if he plays like the Paul George you saw most of last season in Oklahoma City, then I think the Clippers should win the championship with relative ease to be switched. Yeah. Because if you have Kawhi Leonard, you know what you get out of Kawhi. If Paul George play like a top three MVP candidate and defending and like defending that. like that, you're not gonna. I just don't see how you beat them. But thing is, he that guy does not show up all the time. He damn near don't show up often. Like it's like it's like you just don't yeah. know. Like he has games where he looks like the best player on the floor, and then he has games where. He's seventeen point six for twenty one, or yeah. seven for twenty one, or whatever it is. Like, it's too many ups and downs, ebbs and flows with him for me to be able to fully put put stock in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like, I know what I'm getting out of Kawhi. I don't, like if they lose, it's not going to be Kawhi's fault. Right. So it's like, do you have faith in in Paul George and him being able to be Paul George for seven games in the, in the biggest stage of his career? Like he's been to the conference finals. Before. Well, I, I think they're another team that has benefited from the bubble. Not he got only, healthy. He got 100% healthy. Yeah, not only did they get healthy, but they were getting ready to prepare for seven road games in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, yeah. They, if they would have been playing, if the Lakers and Clippers played in the Western Conference Finals, it would have been seven games at home for the Lakers. Seven road games. And I know people want to bring up game one where they're talking about it was a Clippers home game. So most of the. the it sounded like a Clippers, Lakers game. It sounded like a Lakers game, that first yeah. game. And that yeah. last game was a Clippers home game, and it was definitely a lot more Lakers fans than Clippers fans in the Staples. Yeah, so they're definitely benefiting from yeah. the bubble. Not <laughs> having definitely it. benefited. Paul George does not have to go to a hostile environment. Definitely, we've seen what this man does in Utah and in Indiana on road. In the on yeah. the road, he, it's a it's a a trick bag with him. Yeah. You're closing your eyes and you're reaching into the bag, and you don't know what you're gonna get out. Like, yeah, you 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 just did not know. And so, yeah, I think that they definitely benefit. Um. That's a good point that I had not even thought about. Like that they don't have to go on the technically go on the road yeah. for seven games. They were going to be the first team probably to ever play a series where every game was a road game. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have to deal with that anymore. So yeah, I think so. The Clippers they 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 become an interesting case then because I just gave reasons why I think the the layoff might have hurt them a little bit, mm-hmm. but that definitely is is advantageous for them. And I think that actually hurt. I don't. I think it hurts the Lakers a little bit. The it Lakers does. the Lakers lose they, they that lose advantage. That- the Lakers fought all year for the number one seed yeah. and now are not going to get any perks outside of an easier road of opponents. Yeah. That's really all seeding is going to give you in this whole And the easier thing. road, a part of that is because you get more home games. Yeah. Like, you might have the easier road on paper now, but everything is a neutral site. So they, these yeah. teams, they don't even have to come to Staples Center and play. The Lakers haven't played a playoff game since 2011 or 2012, 2013, 2013. 2013. Yeah. And 2013, Kobe was hurt. They didn't even so I don't even want to yeah. count that. Twenty twelve last time they had to play a real playoff series or any games. They went to second round against the uh Thunder, uh, and lost. So you can imagine what Staples Center was gonna be like this year. They finally gonna get home games for the playoffs. That first home game back for the playoffs starting again for with Anthony Davis, LeBron James coming in. Like they lose that huge advantage from the fans in LA yeah. being that excited about playoff basketball being back at Staples Center. All of that. That is all gone. But yep. if there is a team that you think that is best suited to to weather that and to not be bothered, it's a team with LeBron James on it. Also, Danny Green, who's a champion, Battleton. won championships in both conferences yep. in the East and the West. Played in three finals. Um, Anthony Davis is a huge, like he's a superstar. Uh, and then you have guys even like Rajon Rondo. He 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 has been ridiculed and everything, but. You need guys like that to at least be able to help the teammates get into the right mind frame yeah. of being able to look. We need to block out everything just going and play. Like, regardless of how you feel about his play on the floor, 
and how effective he is or isn't, he definitely is going to be somebody who can help get guys in the right mind frame and have them ready to play. Um, so I think having that type of veteran presence, those type of players definitely will play, will pay dividends. Even a guy like JaVale McGee, who's played in multiple NBA finals, yeah. Dwight Howard, he's played in NBA finals. He's played, yeah. he's seen everything. They have guys on their roster who have seen everything the NBA has to offer. I think that, so if there's a team that, that won't be as rattled or J.R. Smith, exactly. Like, so, um, like, that's where I think a team like the Nuggets is going to hurt them. Like, last year was their first year in the playoffs as a unit anyway. And Well, ne- it's funny you bring up the Nuggets. I feel like they're really the only team that hasn't shown their hand. Because, obviously, Jamal Murray. And Gary Harris been- just got there. From, yeah. Uh, and Torrey Craig just got there. So, they've been doing a lot of experimenting with Bowl Bowl. Playing and five forwards. And, 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 you know, the internet's going crazy over yeah. Bowl Bowl, he's been a fan favorite and whatnot. And he's a big who he, he can look like he can, he can protect the, the paint, ball, he can handle, he can shoot. shoot. Shooting under 40% from the field in the first two games. And look, 36 27 shoot. I've never ever seen more guys get excited about an exhibition. Yeah. Than when Bowl Bowl was, you know. I'm not sold with Bowl Bowl. I don't think, I'm not sold he's going to be in that rotation. I'm not sold. People think that he is going to be. I think they're going to give him a chance when these first games start back to play him. But I don't think when I think when shit gets ratcheted up and intensity is like raised and guys are the focus is there, I'm not sure he's gonna be playable yep. just yet. He's a mess on defense right now. As far as guarding and pick and roll and space and everything, like yeah. this shit just too fast for him. Like I just don't believe it. I mean, it's his first real exactly NBA basketball. Exactly. So I just don't believe that he's gonna go from basically not playing the whole season and now being a factor in a, in in a, a playoff, playoff run. Team. Exactly. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But. I don't see that happening. Uh, but I th- I think that they definitely are affected a lot. Um, Utah is a team I didn't think they were going to get out of round one anyway before the pandemic or after. Like So I don't know if I can say that they're really affected too much. It's the same yeah. floor ceiling. Same with OKC. I didn't have much high expectations for them before this shit, before this start, uh, season got stopped. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I can say that they're too affected or not affected. But I think, I think this is really going to come down to out west. Lakers, Clippers, outside third shot Houston Rockets I think that's really what it comes down to like the Rockets like that's a real wild card like when you have a, a backcourt two guys who combine it for basically what Harden's averaging 35 and Russ is averaging 27 yeah. so you're getting basically 63 points yeah six, like 62 points from both of those guys every night like that's tough that's tough like that's a wild card if they if they come to play if they if they're dominant in this bubble that that could change things that's gonna they're gonna get somebody hell in round two and round one and round two so I think that it's it's, it's going to be Lakers, Clippers, and then the Rockets could play spoiler. Yeah, and then I, I agree. Out east, I agree with you. I think Milwaukee, Miami is a is a sneaky good pick because if those guys aren't affected by this environment and they can come out there and hoop, they do have a really really good roster that has the balance of shooting, wing defense, and interior defense that could make life hard on Milwaukee and everybody else out east. Um, and then like you already said, Boston, Toronto, and then. We don't like Philadelphia, the head case, but yeah, I think that the playoffs are gearing up. We, I think it's gonna be a good postseason. I think we really are gonna get good, good basketball after watching the games, the scrimmages, and everything. I've settled in with like the, the acceptance and that this is what it's gonna look like. And I think yeah. the players aren't too affected by the environment either. I think they look pretty comfortable. I mean, so. they they wanted to play exactly. So. so I don't think that they're we're gonna see any like weird basketball or anything i think this we're gonna get high level basketball especially because you already like you pointed out the top teams already look sharp yeah everybody else is going to eventually tighten up as well by the time the playoffs come so i think we're in we're gonna have some good basketball for sure over the next 
three months. The finals will be in October, so until August, September, October, I think we're going to get some, some great basketball over the next three. But that'll conclude this episode of the Play for Keeps podcast. Make sure you follow us at RNC Radio Live on Twitter, at The Elite Media on Twitter. Stay tuned for more content coming forward from everything that we have under both umbrellas. Until the next episode, we're out.